Well, good morning. We're so thankful you're here, every campus, every location, in the prisons, directional facilities all around the state of Virginia. What an honor it is to get to bring you the Word of God. And to those who are our guests, welcome home. This is the place for you. We're so glad that you're here. We believe that God's led you here this morning. And we're continuing a series uh, that I started last week called Freedom. Everybody say freedom. freedom. Come on, say it like you mean it. Every location, every campus, everybody say freedom. freedom. We're looking at what it looks like for us to experience freedom in our lives. Today, primarily, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, you can take your Bibles and go there. Last week, we looked at uh, the choice of freedom. We talked about how it's a choice between life and death, the choice of freedom. And next week, Pastor Grant is going to be bringing us uh, a message called the enemy of freedom, the enemy of freedom. I'm telling you, I don't know what you have to do to get back next week. Most, most people only attend uh, uh, about two times a month, and those two times are spread out. I'm just being honest. And so just the t statistics right now say, if I see you this week, I won't see you next week. And I do not know what you have to do to be back next week, but you need to be here. Because Pastor Grant is bringing a message, the enemy of freedom on spiritual warfare and I grew up in his home. <laughs> Y'all are laughing. I'm being serious. I do not know of anyone uh, who is a, a greater authority or who has walked in it with more understanding. I've seen it in my own home and in our lives. And I want you to hear him teach on spiritual warfare, the enemy of freedom. So you need to be back uh, next Sunday to hear him. He's here this week. And um, uh, he's actually in this, this service on the, on the front row. And I'm, I'm so honored anytime I get to preach the word. Uh, but I'm honored to be a part of this church, to be able to link arms with all of our pastors and all of our staff, to be able to link arms with you for the sake of the gospel. And it is an honor as his son uh, to be able to serve in ministry with him. I don't get the opportunity much to say that. You want to be back next Sunday to hear him preach on the enemy of freedom. But last week we talked about the choice of freedom, and it's a choice between uh, life and death. Uh, in fact, you can approach God and the things of God in completely the wrong way and never experience the freedom uh, that he has for you. And so last week's sermon laid necessary groundwork. Uh, in order for us to be able uh, to view God and approach him in the correct way. But if I'm honest with you, uh, last week was a hard place to leave off for me personally because it did not deal with uh, some very real, practical questions that you and I have to figure out how to answer, like, uh, what do I do in order to get freedom? And how do I do it? And so I want to start this week really practically with those questions. I want you to see this verse out of Romans chapter 8, verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. You see it there, the choice between life and death. But if by the Spirit 
you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. This verse has, has stuck with me in a really specific, peculiar way. God brings it to mind often. And I, I read a book in college. It's a very hard book, to be honest. Uh, it's called The Mortification of the Flesh. It came out over 300 years ago. And it's all about this one verse. Uh, a famous Puritan, John Owens, wrote the book. And God used his thoughts on this one verse to really shape my understanding of the spirit-filled life. The spirit-filled Life. You know the truth of God is timeless. And today, I want to talk to you about the person of freedom. The person of freedom who is the Holy Spirit. The person of freedom who is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a force, He is not a ghost. The Holy Spirit is not a bird and not a flame, though he's revealed himself in many ways and pictures in Scripture. But the Holy Spirit is a person. And more important than that, he is God. I believe God has something so specific to teach us from his word. And God is looking for those who will approach him and encounter him in both spirit and truth, those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And we are a church who believes, unashamedly, in experiencing God through the truth of his word and through the reality of his spirit in our lives. Today, I don't want to talk to you about any sign or gift of the Holy Spirit except one. I'm convinced that the enemy tries to distract us and confuse the children of God about the Spirit of God so that we never experience this one sign, this one gift from him. I've watched my whole life growing up in church, fighting, division, even church splits over different signs of the Spirit, and yet little to no talk about this one where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Are you free today? I believe that freedom is the primary sign of the Spirit-filled life. Freedom is the primary sign of the Spirit-filled life. I want you to see it from the Scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, starting verse 16 but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is, you say it, freedom. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you for the truth and the power of your word. This morning, we need more. Than anything I can bring. 
we need the truth of your word and the reality of your spirit to reveal something to us, to show something to us that will radically transform our lives. And so we're desperate for you to do what only you can do right now. I pray that my preaching would not rest in the clever or cunning words of men, but in power and demonstration of the Spirit of God so that our faith might rest in your Spirit. It's in your holy, precious name that we pray. Amen. There is one definite sign of the presence and the power of the Spirit of God. And it is the personal freedom of his children. But we have to ask the question, freedom from what? Freedom from what? What are we being freed for? I don't think uh, there has ever been a day where we've needed more clarity around that question. Freedom from what? What is the Spirit of God freeing us from? And I love Galatians 5 because uh, Paul uses such similar language as we're looking at in 2 Corinthians. Look at this. Galatians 5.1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. But the, but the question is, How? Well, he says in verse 16, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, what are those desires? The desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. What are we being freed from? I want you to see them explicitly. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. And things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Freedom by the Spirit is freedom from works of the flesh. And there are two lists In this one chapter, and both are clear and both are opposite. Uh, Look at at them again. In in verse 19, he begins to list off uh, the works of the flesh. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. I think even in the wording, those three things are grouped together. And we have to ask if those things are still among us. Idolatry and sorcery, I think those are grouped alike 
because none of us would uh, uh, claim, or many would not claim, to be worshiping specific idols in our life or to be giving ourselves to the enemy. And yet we have to ask ourselves, even in our lives now, do these things still exist? Uh, Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, division, envy. I think all of those things group together. I think as he lists them off, he's thinking very specifically about the body of Christ. We have to ask, do these things describe our lives? Then drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. It's interesting. You would think some of those words would be in another list, but they're not. And I think he ends with these things because they're things we give ourselves to or are controlled completely by. These are the works of the flesh. And things like these. Certainly not an all-encompassing list, but many clearly listed. Romans 8 that we started out reading called these things the deeds of the body. The works of the flesh. And these things are written to believers. And Paul is admonishing them, encouraging them to fight or kill these attributes. But he doesn't just say try harder. He doesn't say work more. He doesn't... Uh, give them some action to take in and of themselves. I, I want you to see it very, very specifically. Verse 1, he says, stand firm and don't uh, submit yourself to slavery. By verse 16, he says, walk by the Spirit. And then verse 25, I, I think sticks out to me the most. He says, if we live by the Spirit. It sounds like if we are really, truly children of God, if we are filled with His Spirit, then let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Uh, you and I, all of us, receive the Spirit of God when we truly believe. And yet Paul says, if you live by the Spirit, then keep in step with that Spirit. It is possible today... For you to have all of the Spirit of God, but for Him not to have all of you. When we walk in the flesh, uh, the works of the flesh are automatic, and they are opposed to the Spirit. And when we walk by the Spirit, the works of the Spirit, the fruit, which is singular, not plural, because when you walk by the Spirit, these fruit that come from Him well up and overflow. Entire conferences and books and thoughts written on the specific fruits themselves and how you can grow in those different things. And yet, it's singular, not because there's not a list, but because if you are in the Spirit, if you're keeping in step with the Spirit, if you walk by the Spirit then those things well up and overflow. All of them at once, simultaneously. Because it's the Spirit now that's in control. The fruit is always an indicator of the root in your life. I don't know if you've ever uh, pulled up weeds out of the flower bed. I've done that. 
my mom used to give us all like sand buckets and say, go pick the weeds. And you know, if you break a weed off at the top, it still grows back. You've got to pull it up from the root itself. Because what is planted, what is rooted in your life will come forth. It is possible to be saved, forgiven. Uh, If I can use a theological word, it is possible to be justified. But the process of your sanctification in Christ be hindered. And it is not that it will be hindered forever for the true believer. Because the work of God will be complete. And he is not incompetent or unable. But it is possible that that work is paused or hindered because of us. Because we have a responsibility to partner in that work. The great work of sanctification. With the Holy Spirit. In order to experience the fullness of freedom in our lives. We often hold back areas of our lives. Parts of our lives. From the move and the work of the Spirit. I I love Philippians 2. I want you to see this. Because it so clearly pictures both things. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, with awe and reverence. You, you got a role to play. You need to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But look at what he says next. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work. You work out your salvation with fear. Fear and trembling, but it's God who works in you both to will and to work. It is God who gives us the longing to do what is right and the ability to carry it out. And so he doesn't say work out your own salvation and then give you a list of all these uh, spiritual things you need to go do. That's not what he says. He says work out your own uh, salvation for it's God who works in you. That's the spirit. Both to will, the desire, and to work, the ability to carry it out. I think as we go on, it's going to get clearer and clearer. Ezekiel 36 says, I will sprinkle clean water on you. And you shall be clean from all of your uncleanliness. I don't have time to talk about the water. I I just do not have time. I'm just telling you it's the Spirit. I'll clean you from all your idols. I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart. That's desire. A new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. That's so peculiar to me. Why why wouldn't he say a heart of the spirit or a heart of, I'll get to it. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. When God takes out the heart of stone, he gives you a heart of flesh. Stone and flesh are a very different picture because stone is not pliable. Stone is not moldable. Stone is not workable, but flesh is. I'm going to take out of you this heart of, of stone. I'm going to put within you a heart of flesh that can be worked and molded and moved and shaped. And I will put my spirit within you. Our responsibility 
is to surrender completely to the work of the Spirit. Our work is to let him do his work. One more time. Our work as a child of God is to let him do his work. It's not complicated, but it's also not easy. And God only wants one thing, you. But he wants all of you. And we can grieve, we can quench the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I want you to see it directly from Scripture. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Don't, don't miss the second part of that line. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit. But the first part is important. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit because you can't grieve him. And all throughout uh, uh, this chapter around this verse in Ephesians chapter 4, you see the things they're doing that are grieving the Spirit. Verse 17 said they were walking like Gentiles. Verse 19 said they give given themselves to sensuality and to every practice of impurity. Both those things were on the list we read early, earlier in, in Galatians 5. Verse 22 said that they must put off the old self. Verse 23 said that they should be renewed in the spirit of their minds. Verse 24 said they were to put on a new self. Verse 25 said they weren't to lie but to speak the truth. Verse 26 said don't be angry or let the sun go down on your anger. Verse 27 said don't give opportunity to the devil. Verse 29, let no corrupt talk proceed from your mouth. Verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath, anger and clamor be put away from you. And it's in the context of all of that that he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. I, I didn't put this down, but this has been in my mind since I read it this week. I believe it was Spurgeon. I'm not positive. But grieve is a unique word. Now, as I was reading and studying, it, it's anger restrained by love. Anger surrounded by love. Do not grieve his spirit. The Bible also says don't, don't quench his spirit. Look at it in 1 Thessalonians. Do not quench the spirit. But I want you to see the whole context. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14. We urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient. See that no one repays any one evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God. Verse 19, do not quench the spirit. Don't despise prophecy, but test everything. Hold fast to what's good. Abstain from every form of evil. Look at this in verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 24. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. What a promise of God to lay hold of to be able to claim. But, but if Ephesians 4 lists all of these negative things that grieve his spirit. I think Ephesians 5 uh, lists a bunch of positive things that we shouldn't abstain from. Like admonishing one another and encouraging, helping the weak, praying without ceasing, giving thanks at all times. And so if, if the other things, the sins in our lives grieved his spirit, there are things that if we don't do, we quench the work of the spirit. And he, 
ends with giving us such a positive thought. He will do it. It is not that God cannot free us or will not free us or is unable to free us. It is that we have failed to lay hold of the freedom that comes by His Spirit. By denying His Spirit. By ignoring His Spirit. By blocking His Spirit. By grieving and quenching His Spirit. And so I want to take us back to the very first section of verses I read to you from 2 Corinthians because I see three very practical, very specific prayers that we can pray every day in our lives. Three practical prayers every one of us can pray. Look at the verse again. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is a spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Three practical prayers you and I can pray every day. Holy Spirit, show me. Holy Spirit, show me. The veil must be removed from our eyes in order to see what must change. We cannot change what we cannot see. And we are in desperate need for the Spirit of God to show us. I'm asking that God would put his finger today on every area of of our lives that must change. This was the reason that the Spirit was sent. This was his role. John 6... Uh, Team 8, Jesus said, when he comes, the Spirit, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The psalmist prayed it like this, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Holy Spirit, show me. I'm telling you, if you started every single day with that prayer, he would begin to overwhelm you with such specific vision of the spiritual things in your life. You would see what needs to change. You would see what must change. And practically, what in your life needs to change in order to fix your mind and your attention on Jesus, in order to look to him. When one turns to him, the veil is removed. But in order to turn to, we have to turn from. In order to turn to, we must turn from. What music, what TV shows, what celebrities, what social media accounts are you giving your eyes and attention, your mind to? Turn to, look to the Lord. His word will always show us and reveal the reality of who he is. So what kind of time and what kind of priorities does the word have in our lives? Holy Spirit, show me. Number two, the second prayer. Holy Spirit, fill me. Second Corinthians says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Which means that any area in our lives that we do not have freedom from, His Spirit has not been welcomed. Holy Spirit, fill me. And fill me completely. When you got saved, God came into you. His Spirit 
filled you and you got all of God. But the hard part of the Christian life is him getting every area of you. And it takes time for him to get all of us. I'm talking today about a fresh filling, a fresh anointing, a fresh calling, a fresh cleansing. You know, I'm not even asking you if you're saved. I'm asking if sin and bondage remain in your life. I'm asking if you're free. Because we must give ourselves over to him completely. How do we do it? Well, repentance is the door that welcomes the work of the Spirit in our lives. Repentance is the door that welcomes the work of the Spirit in our lives. And so we must repent today. That's more than just a prayer. That's more than just the cry of our hearts. It is an action of turning. And our repentance... Our action of turning away from sin is the open door that welcomes the work of the Spirit in our lives. I prayed all week that God would give me the ability to deliver this sermon without becoming overwhelmed with emotion. Because the truth is so good that if you ever lay hold of it, your life would be totally changed. But as God revealed it to me, I couldn't help but become overwhelmed by the Spirit of God and His ability to change our lives. And God began to show me A picture of all the sin that exists in the church. And God began to show me the things that were holding us back from his spirit. And I was so overwhelmed by it. And I was so overcome by it. And God showed me that if we would repent, he would fill us up completely to where we lack nothing to where we no longer struggle anymore. And we allow all these areas of sin in our lives that quench and grieve the Spirit, and we block the Spirit of God from giving us the very things we're longing for. Holy Spirit, fill me completely. There is no area of my life off limits to you. There is no place in my life that you cannot come in and you cannot change. And if sin and addiction and bondage remains anywhere where freedom doesn't exist. All you have to do is ask the Spirit of God to fill that place. But the open door is repentance. It is a step of repentance. A step, an action to change. So that he can be invited in to do his work. You know, it's very dangerous to remove things in your life without filling it with something else. It's like a backhoe. When, when it moves land, the dirt naturally and quickly and immediately begins to fill back in that hole. And so we need to take steps away from our sin. But everything that's removed in our flesh must be replaced by the Spirit of God or else other addictions and things will take their place. I want you to see this from Ephesians chapter 5. Don't get drunk with wine. That's debauchery. 
but be filled with the Spirit. That's our prayer. Holy Spirit, fill me. And I know it specifically mentions alcohol, but the purpose of the verse is so much more than that. The purpose of the verse is about being under the control of something outside of you. And so he says, don't fill yourself with that. Fill yourself with the Spirit. Be under the control of the Spirit of God. He's able. He will do it. He will free you. He will cleanse you. And and we just don't let him there. I was listening to Papa Sam this week. That's pastor's mentor. I still listen to him all the time. And he said something. I, I, I didn't write this down. It just came back to my mind. He said, just like everybody only has so much time, do you know only, every person only has so much capacity? And as much as you are filled with the wrong things, you cannot be filled with his spirit. What a thought. So repent. This week as I was preparing, I had people coming to me saying, I, I am dealing with this. Multiple people came to me specifically about pornography this week. And I told you, God was opening my eyes to sin all throughout the church. And I've been asking them all the same thing. Nobody's committed to do it yet. I told Claire, I'm going to do it just to prove you can. I said, give up your smartphone. They said, you know who you are. You know who talked to me this week. We can't do that. The laundry list, work and emails and every reason why you can't. And the Spirit told me they can't be free. Repentance is the open door for the Spirit of God to move. And some of you are flirting and and being led away from your spouse by somebody at your work or your job. Leave your job. Be free. Get rid of your smartphone. Be free. Take away access for your flesh. Be free. Because as we move toward him in repentance, his spirit comes and does a work that only he can do. You say, I tried that before. No, you tried works. You you removed sin from your life only for it to be replaced with either more sin or other sins. Were you filled with the spirit? Holy Spirit, show me. That's the prayer. The second prayer, Holy Spirit, fill me. And the last prayer, Holy Spirit, change me. Change me. You know, a lot of us claim to want to see the glory of God and experience the power of God in our lives. But when he comes, when you realize what it costs and what it takes, you don't want it anymore. You don't want him. You only want God in your life as long as you can maintain you. Don't change me. Don't mess with me. I want you, God, but I also want my plans, my goals, my sins, my future, my vision. But if we're going to be changed by the Spirit, all of us must change. Everything in us must 
changed. The old has passed away. All things have become new. And so I'm asking you, do you actually want to change? Do you really want to be changed? Well, then invite the Spirit of God in. Show me. Fill me. God, change me. The psalmist prayed it like this. Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And he will do it. So what's holding you back from giving yourself completely to God? What's keeping you from repenting, from turning from sin? What are those things that you just will not let go of? And I even questioned if I should name specific things because then I thought you might have an excuse not to deal with you. But God is showing you even now. His Spirit is calling you and trawling you even now. I thought about how the hymn writer prayed it. He said, Spirit of the living God fall afresh on me The invitation has already been given because the whole sermon was the invitation. And you have no idea what the Spirit of God would do in and through your life if you would surrender wholly and completely to Him. Some of you have never received Him for the first time and right now in this moment, no matter where you are under the sound of my voice, you can repent. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're Lord. Would you save me? Would you cleanse me? Would you fill me? I believe you lived the life I could never live. Jesus, I believe you died in my place. I'm turning to you. Be the Lord. Be in control of my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that, I'm telling you, you're a child of God. And the Spirit of God has come into your life and filled you. 
It does not have to take a long time for him to do his work. You need only to give yourself fully and completely to him. And that is the rest of the invitation. That is the invitation. Give yourself wholly to God. I know you're saved. Give yourself completely to him. That sin doesn't have to remain. That addiction doesn't have to remain. And respond to the truth of God. Would you stand at every campus, every location? This is not the part of the service where you disengage and leave. This is the moment you press in. And the altar here at Hampton is already filled. And I'm telling you, wherever you're at, God's ready and he's willing to meet you. And so as I pray this final prayer and we prepare our hearts to respond, I'm telling you, do business with God. Jesus, we need you. And we're desperate for you. And if you do not cleanse us, we cannot be cleansed. And if you do not fill us, we'll never be filled. And so I'm asking you to do work that's more than the sorrow of being broken over our sin. I'm asking you to give us the will and the desire to truly turn from it. To give us the ability to fill that space, that void in our lives with the things of you. And satisfy us so much that we never search for anything else. Spirit, show us. Spirit, fill us. Spirit, change us. It's in your holy, precious name that we pray. Amen.